Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The following program was previously recorded. We regret we'll be unable to accept your phone calls, but we invite you to participate during the next live broadcast of this program. The following is a CNY Talk Radio presentation. This is Taps Paramagazine Radio. Taps Paramagazine Radio. Here are your hosts, J.V. Johnson and Aaron Sagers. Welcome back to our program. I'm J.V. Johnson, along with Aaron Sagers and Stacey Jones, as we continue another uh, venture into things unknown on Taps Para Magazine Radio. We have as a special guest tonight, um, we've got Travis Walton. Travis, of course, uh, story is best known under the title of Fire in the Sky. That's Travis's book, and also it was released as a movie. Travis spent five days um, under the care, I guess you'd say, Travis, of, of, um, of aliens. And uh, the story, which occurred in 1975, is something that, um, that uh, obviously has still left a, an impression and a, and a very big mark on your life. Yeah, it's, it's really, uh, you know, affects, affects me in every way. Although I work at it, you know, I try to, try to live a normal life and, uh, you know, keep some balance uh, in my day-to-day living and not let it take over uh people come to me with you know experiences and sightings and things that they have you know i don't shut them out but i don't seek it out either so um, you you know travis the one thing i noticed you know after listening and talking to you is you've put a very very great deal of thought and analyzed what happened to you that I really don't think people get. I don't think people understand that this has really consumed you for quite a long time, right? Yeah, I had to do a lot of thinking about it, you know. And I even went back to work in the woods for a, a period of time. Uh, it was kind of like, uh, you know, you get thrown off the horse, you got to get back on uh, just to, you know, get, get your head straight about it. So um, I... Uh, I, you know, it's, it's a long, uh, hard row uh, to hoe because, uh, you know, there wasn't any kind of support group or really anybody to turn to. Uh, you know, friends and family, of course, that, you know, were very supportive. But uh, still, uh, this is not your uh, everyday experience that you uh, help somebody cope with. And uh, it's kind of ironic that is is incredibly traumatic and intense as the experience was when it happened, the aftermath, you know, at least cumulatively, you know, uh, probably overshadows uh, the incident itself in terms of uh, trauma, you know. Um, And that's not to say there's been, it's all been negative. There's been a lot of very supportive people, you know, and people uh, that see things out there and they say, you know, acknowledge that... uh, we're definitely not alone. That there, there's something to this phenomenon, whatever it is. Uh, but it's uh, it's nothing I would have ever chosen for myself. That's for sure. Uh, 
not much of a speaker, you know. I was the kid that didn't want to speak in front of the class in school, so it's uh, been a long process to to be able to talk about this to people. But, you know, I've, I've come to realize um, over time that, uh, you know, along with the burden, uh, there is a certain responsibility to try to try to make something good come of what happened. That, you know, maybe I could uh, prepare people or, or help them to understand things in ways that uh, will make for a better world or at least better consequences for things that may happen in the future. And, you know, I, I, I'm curious about the uh, greatest, most positive uh, result or benefit that has come after this. Um, you know, what what you consider is the, the positive uh, things that have happened to you as a result of your experience? I don't know. I guess it, it really settled me down. <laughs> I was a kind of a wild child and kind of a risk taker and, you know, just had a devil may care sort of a narrow focus and that really changed for me i think it's really broadened my perspective and you know trying to make sense of it and you know i i wound up doing a lot of philosophizing that uh you know to fit this into the whole big picture there that uh, i think it helps me understand uh, a lot more about the, the whole uh universe really sure sure um, and I know, I know, we want to talk about the uh, the movie and about the experience of making the movie. Um, but first off, I'll ask you, what was the oddest, uh, you know, interaction um, that you've had after the event as a result of of this experience? Maybe a fan interaction or a celebrity fan interaction. Uh, anything that's you know, really weird that's happened afterwards? Well. Uh, you know, uh, uh, having the opportunity to be on the set and being around all this great big production, you know, uh, big camera booms and all these uh, crowds that are gathered around trying to catch sight of the actors and stuff. And, and uh, I was asked by one interviewer, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, how does this affect you? And I, I, I told him, well, you know, yeah, I have to balance this with the negative, you know. Uh, people that see me uh, in a negative way that I'm not, uh, I'm not going to let that skew my self-perception any more than I'm going to let, you know, people's, you know, trying to turn me into a celebrity or something skew me. So I've tried to stay pretty realistic about this, you know. It's an extraordinary event, but that doesn't make me an extraordinary person. Uh, there was this one kid that came up, you know, he was getting autographs from the uh, actors and whatnot, and and he was eager for an autograph, so he walks up with his pen and paper and says, are, are you guys anybody? <laughs> <laughs> and that was, uh, that's the kind of stuff that helps you stay grounded. Travis, we have a couple email questions that we'll, uh, we'll ask, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pass on to you here uh, when we come back from the break. You're listening to TAPS Paramagazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. This is TAPS Paramagazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. 
J.V. Johnson here on Taps Para Magazine Radio with our guest this hour. It is Travis Walton. Travis's story is the uh, inspiration for the book Fire in the Sky, also the movie of the same title. And Travis, um, it's it's an incredible story. We, we had invited some um, listener email questions, and I have one for you if you don't mind. We have a question... I'm sorry. We have a question from Mary from Syracuse, and and she asks if the events ever come back to you in, in your dreams. Did you ever? Does this affect your dreaming? Was her question. Well, uh, at first, uh, the, the the dreams were mostly nightmares about these uh, creatures, and uh, that that was pretty bad. That would wake me up at night. Uh, but uh, gradually, those uh, faded. At least, you know. From conscious recall, I'd, I'm told that sometimes I'll make fighting sounds in my sleep, but uh, when I wake up, I don't remember mm. the nature of the dream. But more lately, um, the dreams are little fragments of these human-type uh, beings in the blue uniforms, um, and not nearly so fearful, mm-hmm. but nothing that really makes any sense, nothing I can... Now, used to resolve what was going on there. Travis, um, I, I, I think the one thing that uh, uh, that people would have a better understanding is is how everybody was hooked up to a lie detector and how everybody had passed multiple tests. Can you explain uh, to the listeners, um, you know, what entails a polygraph and it's not exactly what's seen on television? No, it's not. And, and even in the movie, you know, they, 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 it's only a yes or no answer. You can't. <laughs> illustrate your answer. Um, they uh, normally have the uh, each person go through the test questions three or four times. Uh, any 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 test that only uses one pass through it cannot possibly determine anything. Even two is considered totally substandard. Um, what they do is they they run the exact same question series in the same order, and then they compare them. So that if there's any uh, glitch, it, just some random uh, physiological response is not going to be mistaken for deception because you have three or four runs through there, and if it occurs on each and every one, then they know that that's a, uh, uh, a sign of deception there. So, you know, the sheriff, you know, with all these uh, law enforcement theories about murder, may have been motivated to not, not announce a complete clear uh, uh, passing for the crew. One of the, one of the tests on one of the crew members was uh, initially announced as inconclusive, although when we got a copy of the police file, uh, the officer that wrote the report said that the test on the 6th was ruled inconclusive, but that he had basically told the truth. And what that meant was that uh, he'd gotten in an argument with the examiner, and after two runs through the test, had... Uh, uh, got up and left the room. But he uh, later was retested by the same examiner using uh, more modern equipment and methods and passed with flying colors. Uh, Modern testing, the examiner scores the test and the computer scores it, and and those two, you know, uh, correlated very highly, too, at the top end of the the range of truthfulness. I think the one thing that... that I don't think anybody can comprehend is, you know, yes, you had a very traumatic experience, but your friends had a traumatic experience, too, that just seems to be glossed over a lot of times. 
Yeah, they went through a lot, and uh, you know, I got to hand it to them. They they stood by. Uh, at one point, uh, one of the crew members, uh, the youngest, uh, was offered ten thousand dollars to uh, deny the the uh, event had happened. But of course, you know, there was uh, he uh, st- stands by it to this day, and uh, the uh, bribe was never accepted. This was made by, you know, one of the major attackers of this case and anything similar. And uh, come to find out later that this guy was had been investigated by the FBI on several occasions for having um, revealed uh, top-secret information. Uh, and uh, so it raises... You know, I, I got a copy of his FBI file here. Somebody sent me recently, since he passed away, and uh, it raises the question for me that uh, could some um, government agency use that as a, as a, something to hold over his head to say, you know, you're working for us now? Because there was many uh, accusations for many years, long before he ever attacked my case, from many people in in the UFO field that. Uh, he was a disinformation uh, specialist uh, working for the government, just as a propaganda guy on this topic. Was there any experience where um, maybe right after your returned, um, where people come out of the woodwork and say, you know, watch it, buddy, because you, you know, if you if you talk about this, you're going to, you know, um, open up a whole can of worms here. Well, yeah. Uh, and some of the warnings were uh, from the friendly side. Uh, a nurse that uh, encountered a couple that had had a UFO experience, and them disappearing from the hospital, and and uh, a guy who um, was retired CIA, and a similar warning to, to to watch out. Should I be returned? Uh, who gets a hold of me? But then on the other side was um, some rather intimidating incidents with uh, uh, federal criminal investigator who wrote up a, a confession for the crew boss to sign and tell him, I'm not signing that, and none of that's true. And of course, he couldn't force him to sign it, and, and uh, uh, he left angry. But basically what he was trying to do was uh, act like there was some uh, irregularity in his government contracting. But we found out after he left town that he'd gone to the sheriff and had obtained the file on the uh, UFO investigation, and so uh, it, it appears that that was his real motivation, basically. We can make your life miserable if you keep talking about this. But I think they just finally gave up on that because, it, you know, they were too late. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. By the time I was returned, <laughs> it was worldwide news, and uh, the story was out there, and they're not going to be able to shut people up or make people forget what they found out about. The sheriff asked the, the, the searchers, you know, there was like uh, 50 or 60 people involved in uh, the, the five-day manhunt for me to keep a lid on the news, but, uh, you know, that many people, it leaked out, and, it, you know, there were uh, crews from Japan and England here in town before I ever was returned. So, in many ways, the exposure you believe is is part of what protected you and shielded yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. You know that that you know being so visible, 
makes it harder for them to intimidate or do something more sinister, like make me uh, have an accident or something. Now, the the one thing I asked you, Travis, is, you know, you, you stayed in Snowflake. You're still there. And, yeah. you know, in a way, I kind of commented to you, do you really think that's a good thing that you stayed, that you've kind of gotten past it and people accept it and have moved on? Or has it, do you think it's kind of perpetuated a little more, you know, how do you feel about that? I think it probably worked out for the uh, for the good because you know um, naturally my every move in public is is uh, observed a little more keenly by the locals, and they've had an opportunity over time to to to, to realize what kind of a person I really am, and so community acceptance has really grown uh, to a, a great degree over time. Now, how about your family? How did they uh, fare through all of this? Uh, well. Naturally, you know, they weren't too pleased with uh, uh, a lot of the negative fallout, but they stood by me. And, uh, you know, uh, my oldest sister was a, a vice uh, a manager of a branch, a branch, branch, a branch. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, you know, it's not the kind of thing you want, uh, you know, to enhance your public image, but... Uh, um, they all they all stood by me, and, and no no one, not anyone in my family. Initially, one of my brothers was uh, with the law enforcement people on the theory that these guys had murdered me. But once I was returned, and, and he'd heard what I had to say about it, uh, you know, he's been a supporter ever since. Now, I think one of the interesting questions that was asked to you is physically, as far as your health goes since 1975, do you see a difference now? Well, I don't know. You know, I try to leave, live pretty healthy, but, you know, I just don't seem to get sick. Uh, I, 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 in all that time, I've never lost a day's work, uh, you know, calling in sick or anything. So certainly hasn't affected my health in a negative way. Do you think it's kind of affected your health in a positive way, though? That's possible, but, you know... Could you know for sure? It's it's, it's a topic I I kind of like to avoid because I don't <laughs> want, I don't want people uh, I don't want to be the bug in the jar, you know. You're listening to Tabs Para Magazine Radio. We're talking with Travis Walton, and Travis is sharing his experience with alien abduction with us. Travis, I do have another emailed question from a listener, and you may have answered this already, but uh, I'll ask it. It's from Sandy in uh, Utica, and it says, uh, has, this, has the experience resulted in problems in your personal life? Uh, yeah, certainly. You know, I was uh, best friends with the crew boss, but, you know, over time, you know, we just kind of had a falling out, you know. He used to come with me and, and speak with me, at, uh, you know, when I would uh, give presentations about this. And, uh, but he was getting a short shrift from, from public reaction. Uh, a lot of people would uh, make disparaging remarks about the fact that he drove off with the crew rather than trying to uh, uh, rescue me right at that moment. But, you know, I never had a problem with that, although my family was probably critical of him over it. But it never went away, and people would say that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, it, it definitely kind of contributed to a, a falling out that uh, I had with him. And so we don't have the same relationship at all. And uh, for the last 10 years or so, uh, 
he hasn't, uh, you know, come out with me or not. Travis, at what point did you decide to tell your story in, in the form of, of the book, which ultimately became the movie? At what point, and, and what, what was the motivation at that point? Well, you know, all these false accusations uh, was, was the motive, and plus, you know, continual requests for interviews. I figured, well, if I just wrote it all out, I could set the record straight without having to go out there and and uh, respond to each and every, you know, um, mixed-up uh, retelling of it, you know. Trying to, to stay away from those kind of things, I'd see uh, garbled accounts that really just, you know, not necessarily negative, just things that uh, got all the facts wrong, you know, and just weren't telling what happened. And, and so a lot of it was just responding to, to all these uh, skeptic theories, and and uh, so it took me a while. I, I did try to uh, stay low and not do interviews, but uh, that wasn't going to work. I could see so, right. like it or not, I had to had to respond. You have time for uh, one more segment with us? Sure. All right, awesome. We're uh, we're going to continue with Travis Walton when we come back. You're listening to Taps Para Magazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. Now, more Taps Para Magazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. Welcome back to our program. I will remind you that a little later in the program, we've got Lloyd Auerbach joining us. Lloyd is, of course, is a, uh, a ghost hunter and author of the book Ghost Detectives, The Guide to Haunted San Francisco. So we'll welcome him later in the program. But we're continuing a fascinating discussion with Travis Walton. Travis has told us his story uh, in 1975, being abducted by aliens, gone for five days, seemed like minutes to him or hours anyway and um, not only is that an experience that's just amazing to tell but there's also so many other parts of his life and in the 36 years since that uh, he's had to deal with as a result of that experience yeah Travis I, I got a question for you if you you say that you'd like to see a remake of the movie what would you like to see different on this well I think the main departures that they made that I took exception to was the part aboard the craft the script that I initially saw didn't even have that part. Um, they hadn't resolved what they were going to do there, and uh, me, that should have been a warning sign. I did write letters, you know, trying to get them to stick to uh, uh, the things really are in the rest of the story, but that wasn't real well received either. Um, so certain um, things that they did are understandable. You know, they, they reduced the number of uh, men on the crew by one. There were actually seven of us out there. In the movie, there was only six. I had two brothers, Don and Dwayne, and they became one character named Dan. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the debunkers and the, and the sh uh, skeptical sheriff, and, uh, you know, all those were rolled into one character, a uh, fictional character played by James Garner, and uh, who is actually very supportive and, and friendly in real life. He's a, he's a great guy. But he was my nemesis in the movie. <laughs> but, uh, you know, probably the biggest departure was the way they depicted the aliens. They didn't look like that exactly. And uh, the interior of the craft, rather than being all organic and cluttered, was, you know, very mechanical and, and uh, um, clean. 
Yeah, I, I didn't get the whole thing in the movie with, like, the shoes floating around and, you know, you're walking down the hallway and you're seeing just, you know, random stuff. I, I just even get that. Yeah, they opted for a horror approach, and I, I think that overlooks some really important aspects of what this all might mean. So I might have to write the script myself. I'm going to try to get a remake of the movie and, and uh, tell it uh, more in line with what really happened. Um, all in all, though, you know, I, I don't want to be too negative about the movie because I think it did have a positive effect as far as letting people understand, uh, you know, what we went through emotionally. If you, if you can just kind of experience it vicariously, it, it kind of does open up people's attitudes to where they might take a look at the facts more. And the facts are all in the book, and I get into, uh, you know, all the the investigation and uh, all the things. You know, I call uh, the, it the most documented case, and, and the documentation has to mean something. Other, other people have kind of uh, copied that and put it on their books when, when there's really no documentation at all. Documentation is things like polygraph tests, uh, uh, psychiatrists' uh, uh, reports, uh, uh, official um, Forest Service officials, you know, all those kinds of things, medical testing. To me, that's documentation, and, and, I, and I get into that. I also go into, uh, in the book, all the details about the making of the movie and what that was like. It was quite an experience. And, uh, you know, um, it's not all been negative. There's, it's, it was really quite an experience to, you know, see part of your life made into a movie. And, of course, Naturally, I was concerned about how accurate that would be, but I've also had an opportunity to meet a lot of great people. And uh, so, you know, in coping with anything that happens to you, you know, you, re you really need to kind of try to find the good in it. And uh, in that sense, you know, I guess I have to say that um, there has been some good. And you got to take with the good with the bad, so... And you've, I mean, I mean, as far as the good, you've been able to travel all around the world. You, you were mentioning Australia, Germany, United Kingdom. Um, out of all these places you've traveled to, where do you find the interest is the greatest in your story and also in, in, in UFOs? Well, I think it is a worldwide interest that's growing. Um, and even in the Islamic countries, uh, it used to be less, and that's grown. I, I think the Internet has a lot to do with it. It seems like it's taken on a whole new life in recent years, and I've been getting emails from every corner of the globe from some really obscure countries. I think where there's a really big upsurge is in the uh, uh, Spanish-speaking countries. Uh, and uh, But generally, it, it's just... Uh, grown over time uh, over the whole world. And and you were just recently uh, with all of us at uh, Phenomenology, uh, which is an you know, all-encompassing paranormal event. How do, you, how do you see yourself sort of fitting in with um, the paranormal community, and what do you think about other aspects of the paranormal community, the, the ghost hunters, the people that are hunting for Bigfoot? Where do you see yourself? How do you think you fit in, and what do you think? Well, you know, I was surprised at the number of parallels that there are between, you know, the, both the experiencers and the investigators. They, they're confronted with a lot of the same problems. 
investigators want to sort out uh, other things that aren't really the, the object of study, and uh, you know, dealing with um, erroneous media perceptions. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of the same things, same kinds of, uh, and uh, I was surprised at the, the high degree of uh, uh, care there is in the investigative protocols as far as trying to filter out the, the good cases from the bad. So that's always a problem in, in any of these uh, areas of inquiry. But I think it's important, and, uh, you know, my, the way I fit in, I think, is that overall, you know, it's going to help to open up people's thinking to, to not be so narrow-minded about a lot of things maybe that aren't even related to the paranormal or unusual phenomena at all, just a lot of uh, day-to-day sorts of things, you know, conspiracy theories, what's going on in the world and and all that, you know, needs a, a more critical examination and an, but an open-mindedness that uh, might be lacking in many cases. I personally have heard so many stories from people that, um, you know, they might have a UFO sighting and then they also have a lot of ghost encounters. And some people even say that they're kind of connected. Um, have you had any uh, encounters with ghosts? Have you had any um, sightings or feelings along those lines? No, not really. Uh, but uh, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you've got your fill for <laughs> a lifetime. Yeah. Travis, uh, have you found that because of your experiences and because of your telling of your experiences that you've become um, a, a, sor- a source or a resource, I guess is the better word, for other folks who have made had, may have had similar experiences? Do they come to you for advice? Yeah, they do, and I'm kind of disappointed that I'm not able to help more, you know. Uh, some people want to know whether they should delve into this, you know, and I tell them, well, you know, you could undergo hypnosis, but you got to decide for yourself whether knowing uh, is going to make things better in your life or will add to problems, uh, you know. And, and have you heard stories from other folks that, that are similar enough to yours that you feel as though there's a connection or there's a real parallel? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely other good cases out there, but there's also a lot of nonsense, and I've got a pretty good feel for which is which. Mm-hmm. Although I've made a determination not to ever, you know, try to point out which is good and which isn't publicly because, uh, you know, my greatest complaint uh, was that people were passing judgment on my case without having any of the facts at all. Mm-hmm. You know, they would get out there and make all sorts of pronouncements uh, when there was plenty of data to the contrary that they could have used if they'd have just done their homework. Can can you can you share and without names or any 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 opinion, but just share an, an experience that was uh, told to you that that struck you? Uh, oh well, some of them aren't really all that famous, you mm-hmm. know. That just uh, um, I I, I kind of can judge really by the the person and the way they the way they're relating it to me and the circumstances, and uh, you know it, it's just kind of a second nature, you know. Uh, there's, there's, there are times when I feel that the person truly believes that they had something, but I can tell it's just not of the same nature as what, what I w- went through. So, so no stories stick out in your mind as particularly fantastic that you, that, you, that you think you should share or you could share with us right now? Well, I... Other than yours, of course, because yours says... Recognized and, you know, 
Okay, I've, fair enough. Right. Fair enough. I'm gonna stick with the idea of not, uh, you know, sorting them out because I, I said in my book, uh, quoted Emerson, "Condemnation without investigation is the height of ignorance." So, you know, for me to, to pass judgment on a case, I'd have to investigate it, and I just don't want to get into it that sure. deep. Well, you have covered a lot of ground in the media, and, um, and uh, you know, I, I remember in your presentation, you know, you showed some clips from all the interviews that you've done, you know, Geraldo, Larry King, and there's a lot of them. Do you find that um, when you're talking to these people in the public spotlight that they are typically supportive or that they don't typically believe your story? Well, I've I've gotten both from uh, celebrities. Uh, there was one uh, one uh, famous uh, um, TV star who just refused to um, follow my my segment on the show. He demanded to, that the order be rearranged where I followed him rather than vice versa, and uh, he didn't even want to sit in the green room with me. Hmm. But then, on the other hand, there's been some very supportive uh, people who have made comments. Like Leonard Des Moines, um, I did an interview with him for a program, and then years later he was asked about the topic in general, and he brought up my case as being something that uh, made him, uh, you know, believe the, in the possibility of, of this phenomenon. And uh, there's been a number of uh, celebrities. Uh, Dan Aykroyd uh, brings me up uh, quite a, a bit when he's out speaking on this topic. Uh, he's also... Uh, um, an investigator. He's uh, yeah. associated with MUFON. So it's it's both sides uh, in in the UFO uh, in the in the celebrity field. Uh, recently, there's a book come out about rock stars who have all had uh, UFO experiences. Uh, um, Tommy Hager being one of the ones who's he was on. Uh, I think uh, Jay Leno the other night talking about it. Yeah. But, there's been, you know, Coast to Coast devoted an entire uh, segment to the subject, too. So I think uh, a lot of uh, celebrities are uh, feeling a little more confident about speaking out about things. I, I was on a show once with uh, an actor who, in, in one, I, I was actually appeared with him twice. The first time, he denied ever having had an experience of that nature, and then later... Uh, was willing to talk about a uh, major sighting that he'd had. So I guess, you know, maybe uh, he saw that uh, maybe it was something that was safe to talk about. Travis, we're, we're, we're just about out of time, and we appreciate you uh, spending so much time with us today. It's very, very uh, interesting and, and fascinating in many respects. I'd like to give you just a second. If people have uh, interest and want to find out more about how to get your book or um, want to find out where you might be speaking, where they can come and, and hear your story firsthand, how would they do that? Well, um, you know, the only place to get the book is from me. Uh, my website is TravisWalton.com, and there's information about ordering it there. Or you can get it from me in person at one of my talks. I'll be at uh, Eureka Springs, uh, uh, Arkansas, here uh, this month, uh, the 8th through the 11th. And then I'll be speaking at the Phoenix MUFON on the 16th. And then I'll be speaking at uh, Niagara County Community College in upstate New York uh, on the 19th. So uh, a lot of stuff coming up. Early June, uh, Joshua Tree in California. And then later in the month, uh, um, 
maybe Brazil. Uh, there's an international. And, and all that information is updated regularly on your website. Well, it's supposed to be. Uh, I get <laughs> it updated, but there's a lot of a lot of that in there. Like like for instance, the cancellation of the Switzerland uh, conference. Uh, I need to correct that. But I'll be at Roswell this Fourth uh, of July too. Uh, Ohio MUFON on the 16th of July. Well, so I'll be out and around, so uh, I'll, I need to get that website uh, schedule updated. Well, terrific. Travis, we, again, appreciate you joining us. Thank and you, I hope, hope you'll agree to come back at, at some date down the road. And um, I'm looking forward to catching your lecture again at some point. Yeah, thank you, Travis. Thanks so much, Travis. Sure thing. Great interview, JB. Thanks very much. You're listening to TAPS Paramagazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. We'll be right back. This is TAPS Paramagazine Radio. TAPS Paramagazine Radio. On CNY Talk Radio. Welcome back to our program. J.V. Johnson here along with Aaron Sagers and Stacey Jones. Our telephone number for live segments is 315. You just want to write it down so you have it on hand. 315-421-9325. We also take emailed questions or comments. We'd love to hear from you. The email address is radio at tapsparamag.com. That's radio at tapsparamag.com. And I, you know, I can't think of too many interviews or too many discussions that I've had in my professional life that equal to the, the experience and the discussion we just had with Travis Walton in five days he can't account for. He knows about f- of 15 minutes yeah. of that five days where he awoke on an alien spacecraft, uh, really doesn't know what happened other than he approached a craft, was struck by some type of force, and was rendered unconscious and, and, and then five days later appeared uh, 45 miles away. Yeah, one thing that Travis didn't talk about was um, when they re-interviewed the six people that had witnessed this, they said actually that he was kind of shot more like 20, 25 feet and that how he landed they really concluded by just how he landed that he didn't live through that because he kind of landed on his neck and his shoulder. And they said just by what they witnessed, they said they just couldn't even fathom the fact that he was still alive at that point. And, you know, I, I, I think the implications is that, you know, Travis has got the right idea that it was an act of compassion. I don't think it was meant to happen. I think that they just kind of brought him on and said, okay, we did a big mistake here and we need to fix this. Well, the amount of thought that he has put into this um, is phenomenal. I mean, and I guess you have to, because when you have that experience, you have to figure out a way to process it. Um, but, you know, thinking about why, the whys and how of, of what they did, and and then over time, just, you know, he's just constantly thinking about this. Yeah, he's a brilliant man. Uh, you know, if you read the book, um, it starts out the book where uh, in the state of Arizona, um, to to practice midwifery, you had to you know, take a test. And at that time, you didn't have to take any kind of a certification. And Travis actually just read the book once and passed it with the second highest test score ever. The man's very, very smart, you know, and I think this is his process was, you know, to analyze everything from A to Z so he can live with it. Yeah. The the thing that, <laughs> that really cracks me up, though, about Travis is when you talk to him, he says, you know, before this happened, I was a bit of a wild child. I was a bit of a, a crazy kid. And uh, pardon the pun, but like light years away from the kind of man he is now, who is yes. very reserved, very, you know, stoic. laid back, stoic. Yeah, yes. you know, um, and a pleasure to talk to. Well, one of the things that during the break we were just discussing that uh, it seems to be there's there's a, a, 
a marked increase in the number of people coming forward, particularly celebrities, yeah, uh, and their uh, UFO stories, their their sightings, or uh, in some cases, abduction stories. You know, I can remember growing up as a kid. You know, it was very rarely that you ever got any kind of a report that a celebrity was having any kind of a paranormal experience. I think the earliest one I remember is Elka Summers talking about the house that she lived in California and how that house is haunted, but. Nobody else, nobody else ever stepped forward and said, you know, hey, I had this experience. Is this, too. Is this the new celebrity uh, PR career move? Yeah, like, like, like celebrity weddings used to be. Now it's your celebrity paranormal experience. I mean, no doubt about it. It's something interesting to talk about, and it's a good way to uh, sell books and sell your new movie or whatever it may be. But I don't think that that necessarily means these experiences are not real. It, it may simply be that it's a little more accepted to talk about it. And it's what I think it's more widespread than we ever believed it ever could be. So with Travis, um, he obviously is is speaking, um, showing up at events and, and promoting his book and, and his experience and talking. And when you when you look into his eyes and you have the conversation and you listen to his story, is there any doubt in your mind? Not for me. I mean, I, I saw the man's presentation and there is an em- enormous amount of emotion that's coming out of him. Uh, yeah, I I I believe Travis. Yeah, I, I had lunch with him, and we had asked about his relationship with his friend Mike, and he got a very hurt look in his eye, and, you know, he didn't want to talk about it, but he, he felt compelled to explain what happened, and that was a real emotion. There there wasn't any doubt whatsoever that this man had this experience. Yeah. And his website is travis-walton.com. There's actually a, a quite a lengthy excerpt from the book in there and a uh, real detailed uh, telling of his story. An absolutely amazing man. You're listening to Taps Paramagazine Radio on CNY Talk Radio. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson, along with Aaron Sagers and Stacy Jones. Our telephone number is 315-421-9325. Our email address is radio at tapsparamag.com. That's radio at tapsparamag.com. We'll be back after the break. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.